Hey everyone, this is Shruti and welcome to Check In Story podcast. This show is all about travel stories. Mad, stupid, crazy, adventurous, insane, sad, enthralling, funny, you name it. And we have all the stories from the best travelers in the world. Our guest today is one of the sexiest traveler in the world. Yes, that's right. Let's welcome Will Hatton on our show who documents his travel on his website thebrokebackpacker.com. He's traveling from UK to Papua New Guinea all by road and no flights at all, crossing 30 countries including India, Eastern Europe, Iran and even Pakistan. Hi Will. Hello, how's it going? It's going great. So is it true? So, yes indeed. I am currently traveling from England to Papua New Guinea. over like uh, the next three years going through various far-flung countries on the way oh no 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 i'm asking about you being one of the sexiest male traveler <laughs> well maybe maybe a couple of years ago when i was younger <laughs> now i'm getting old and i spend all my time in the mountains so i've got a weathered face so i don't know Maybe I'm still one of the world's sexiest travelers. It's up for debate. Oh, cool! So this is for all the <laughs> listeners out there. So guys, get ready to go on an adventure ride with Will. Expect mad stories, tips on traveling the world on a cheap budget, and we're also going to talk about dating while traveling. And most importantly, you will get to know where Will has hidden his treasure, the geocache. So, Will, let's start from the beginning. Like uh, take us back to the moment when you realize that traveling is what you want to do. Like that was it, and screw everything else. Like I want to just travel. Okay. Um, I spent when I was like nineteen years old. I started doing some traveling then, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with myself. So I kind of just kept traveling. Uh, I booked a one-way flight to India, and I ended up in India for like over a year, just hitchhiking around and couch surfing and hanging out with local people. Drinking way too many kingfishers. It was good fun. Um, and to, to be honest, after I'd kind of gotten a taste of traveling and seen that it was possible to have a different lifestyle to the one which most people have in the UK, I thought, "Hey, this is this is this is for me. This is what I want to do." Now all I need to do is find out how I can make some money out of traveling. So I started with all kinds of different little projects. Uh, like I used to import bags from Jaisalmer actually um, to. UK to sell, and now obviously I've got my travel blog. So it kind of just evolved like that, to be honest. Wow, Will! So you actually sold bags from Jaisalmer, and you actually made money out of it. And that was a very interesting story, I must say. So from that story, let's go to the cliche part of the traveling, wherein we all say the travel can change your life, but that has actually happened with you. I mean, as I was reading through, there is something that has happened during your teenage years that actually changed your life. So would you like to share that with our listeners? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've had I've had a lot of life-changing moments whilst traveling. But yeah, this this was like the first one. Um and it kind of cemented my role as a global traveler forever. Basically, when I was in Costa Rica, I got really really badly uh infected in my leg whilst in the jungle. And I managed to get to a ranger hut and get to a hospital and I spent like 2 weeks in the hospital and they wanted to amputate my leg and it was like a really serious situation. Um, and then, still very sick, I got sent back to the UK, and I recovered. But my leg was permanently damaged, which meant that I could no longer get into the army, which is what I'd always wanted to do. So I kind of had a mental breakdown, and then booked a one-way flight to India, as you do. And I sort of, uh, 
you know, I mean, I, I, I could no longer do the job I wanted to do. So I needed to find something else. And traveling, ironically, was what that proved to be. Oh my God. So they actually wanted to amputate your leg. Was it that bad? <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. I nearly died. Oh, really oh my god okay well kudos to you man you actually came out of it that almost gave me goosebumps I survived. I yeah. survived. so will quickly tell me three things that you learned from that incident uh okay the first one is, this is quite boring but it is important you should always travel with travel insurance because my hospital bills ended up being like ten thousand dollars and luckily i had travel insurance if i didn't i don't know what would have happened i, I mean i imagine i would have been screwed um what else did I learn? I suppose, without getting too deep and meaningful, that a positive frame of mind is very, very important mm-hmm. when you're recovering from an illness. It's like it's, it's really the most important thing to help you recover faster. And I also learned that you can't always trust doctors because a lot of doctors, when I got back to the UK, were like, "Oh, you know, you're going to be in a wheelchair, and you're, you know, basically everything that you wanted to do is now impossible." Um, and I was like, pretty much very angry about that uh obviously i couldn't get into the army anymore but i was like hey i i disagree so i'm gonna go traveling i'm gonna go trek some mountains i'm gonna do some ridiculous adventures in the jungle and in, in the peaks and you know see what happens and I, I was able to do all of that so yeah i guess um it's important to realize that sometimes people will not necessarily know how tough you are and you can kind of find that endurance in yourself if you've got a reason to do it actually such such incidents and if you come out of it alive such incidents actually make you very strong yeah definitely i mean you know like I, i've got no idea what the name of the artist is but there is that song where it's like uh, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger and i yeah. like that that's a good song. <laughs> yeah I've, I've i've seen that cool so this is for all the listeners out there um do you guys have a travel insurance and if your answer is no to this question then please go and get it because if you're planning to go on a budget trip surely you don't want to end up paying huge medical bills that too worth 10k which definitely would be nothing less than a nightmare yeah i mean i think with travel insurance like i've done traveling where i've been traveling on like 50 dollars a week for like over a year i mean very very tightly um tightly budgeted to travel but i will still always buy travel insurance and i've had to claim on it a couple more times i got robbed in nicaragua and i had to claim to get my uh my my, my camera back and like my, my phone replaced by the insurance company oh my and, god like it really is if you're if you're like a full-time traveler at some point you are either gonna get injured gonna get robbed or gonna like drop a camera in water if, <laughs> if you're a full-time traveler that is gonna happen so it really is worth getting insurance absolutely so well let's get back to the travel stuff like um, tell me which is the craziest way or route that you've ever taken to travel from say point a to point b like one place to the other oh man i've done some pretty pretty crazy journeys i mean well from point a to point b that's that's the journey i'm doing at the moment from england to papua new guinea i mean that's like a three three year trip uh all across the world you know without using any flights um but recently i drove a tuk-tuk across the uh, across india and that was that was pretty fucking crazy because it broke down like a hundred times a day oh my god that that must have been insane so how long did you take uh that took a month we had the tuk-tuk for a month uh we picked it up in jaysalmer uh i've been to jaysalmer a few times mm-hmm. and uh yeah we drove it all across rajasthan and then we tried to take it up past delhi into like himachal pradesh and up to the but eventually 
the engine just completely gave out, uh, <laughs> which was a real shame. It was great. She was really cool. I mean, her name was Tinkerbell. She was multicolored. She had like a psychedelic pattern. Uh, but oh. she was like 35 years old and the engine was just shot. At, yeah, she was like, I mean, tuk-tuk drivers would come over to help and then they'd be like, oh shit, I haven't seen this model of tuk-tuk before. It's that old. And we'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, that tuk-tuk story is fun. So uh, going back to talking about the aspects of traveling, everyone talks about leaving the job or traveling or the fun they have while backpacking and exploring. And this all seems like so easy and fun. And no one talks about the hard part, basically. So I'm sure it's not as easy as it sounds. So will tell me what are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, it's like anything. Like there are highs and there are lows. But like tra- to me, anyway, the highs when I'm traveling are better than the highs when I'm not traveling. So it's worth it. And I mean, you do end up having some pretty like sh- shitty moments if you're hitchhiking and like no one's picked you up for hours and hours. Or if you're on like a 30-hour bus journey and you haven't got any water, you know, stuff like that. Like when you get sick, it's never much fun. But I mean, it's worth it for, for, for the good bits. It's worth it. So, Will, tell me, apart from being robbed and, you know, having to claim your insurance and having to pay 10k, has anything good ever gone terribly wrong while you were traveling? Yes, many, many times. <laughs> this is what makes traveling interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, yeah, like, okay, things that stand out is I had a knife pulled on me in the pool, which was a relatively scary experience. Um... I've been held at gunpoint before at, like, borders. Um, I've been robbed a couple of times. I've been really sick a couple of times. I've had a couple of bad motorbike accidents. But, I mean, I've been traveling for, like, eight years. So something like this is bound to happen eventually. Oh, man. Sounds scary, man. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, but it must have made you stronger and, well, not to mention even poorer. <laughs> uh, which, to be perfectly honest with you, like, all of these experiences that you have whilst you're traveling, whether they are good experiences or bad experiences, at the end of the day, most of them put you out of your comfort zone. And when you're out of your comfort zone, that's when you have the biggest opportunities for like personal growth. And the more that you can get used to handling whilst out of your comfort zone, the better you are just going to be at life hacking in general. And I couldn't agree more to that. So let's, let's go to talking about uh, tapping a tattoo. Well, uh, tell me, Will, that must have been really terribly painful, <laughs> no, was it? No, well, I mean, I've got, I've got quite a lot of tattoos, and I've got, um, I've got a big arm and, and chest plate, which took 32 hours, and I did that uh, over, like, basically a three-day period. So, compared to that, no, we did not hurt. <laughs> oh my god, you, you, like, you were continuously getting tattooed for three days when you did that? It was like 10 or 11 hours a day. By, oh by, the, end, my god. by, by the end, I was like, really fucking exhausted. <laughs> I must say, you're very, very strong now. <laughs> and and, very, like, I mean, with a lot of good tattoo artists, they're just not available. So when you can get one, you book them for like three days and you just get everything done at once. Insane. That is that sounds really insane. I cannot I cannot think about getting a small dot on my hands, <laughs> to be very honest. So cool. But then tell me, are these this whole tattoo thing, is it safe? Like you get Yeah, a- I mean yeah, definitely. Like I think okay, so with all the tattoo artists I've visited has obviously been in studios, with the exception of Wang Ud, who is in the Philippines and I got like a bamboo taps. Uh, tattoo there uh, and that was an amazing experience she's the last person left in the world that can do this specific kind of Kalinga tribal tattoo 
So it's really great. She's 97 years old. She speaks no English, and she welcomed me into her village. Now, obviously, if you were unlucky, yes, that kind of tattooing could get infected. Because you're in a jungle. It's hot. It's sweaty. There are, like, you know, insects around and mosquitoes. And if, if you get, like, a mosquito bite on a tattoo and you scratch it, you've got an open wound. But if you're careful and if you've had a few tattoos before and you know what to do, just keep it covered. Yeah, it'll be fine. So... Like you said, the ninety-seven-year-old lady didn't know how to talk English. So, how did you communicate? Like, how how could you tell her that you wanted this specific tattoo and all? Because this is normally the problem every time when you go to a place where you don't know the person's language or you know well, the local language and all. So, how do you deal with that? The way it works with um, Wang Yu is she actually chooses the tattoo for you. You don't get to choose it, oh, and that's okay. that's how it's that's how it's always been in Kalinga culture. Um, so I also had a friend with me, a Filipino friend, who spoke amazing English, good Tagalog, and a little bit of Kalinga. So he could just about communicate with uh, with one of Wang Yu's many um, like family members, and you know, who also spoke a little bit of English. So there was a little bit of conversation going on, but me and Wang Yu could not communicate directly. Oh, okay, okay, but that sounds that sounds really great. So let's move on to our next question. Um, Will, <laughs> tell me, are you one of those who are actually afraid of the flights? <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't say I like flying. I've always wanted to go business class for a flight, like anywhere. But yeah, no, I'm not, I don't mind flying. Then why is this trip from UK to Papua New Guinea all by road? Well, I just wanted to do something, one, that hadn't been done before and parts of this trip haven't been done like uh, when i get to vietnam i'm going to hitchhike on a boat to the philippines and then build a raft and sail out along the philippines to indonesia to papua new guinea and i wanted to do a trip which was physically challenging and which people could get behind because it's kind of like this is how explorers a hundred years ago went out they couldn't just jump on a flight and then 10 hours later step out into a different culture and i kind of want to see all these cultures flow flow by rather than just fly over them if you know what i mean yeah, yeah that's that's amazing that sounds really awesome now this is for all our listeners out there papua new guinea is further east to indonesia and i guess that's the farthest point on the east you can go and you can also set and sail to us from there but i guess we we'll, yeah but i guess we we'll might not do that because of british issues <laughs> Potentially, potentially, I might like go and fly to Australia. I might sail to Australia afterwards because you can get to Australia from Papua New Guinea as well. So, okay, okay. I'll just see how how exhausted and how much malaria I've got by the time I get to the end of Papua New Guinea, and then I'll judge it on that. Oh, okay, cool. So, what do you usually do when you're exhausted while traveling? Uh, Drink a beer, smoke a joint. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> try and watch some sci-fi cartoons something like that i don't know like um no like when, I, when i'm exhausted and traveling like, i try to take time um where i can have a day or two to just soak in an area and to not worry about anything so i'll like camp out in the mountains or i'll specifically go somewhere that hasn't got any phone signal and just kind of relax for a couple of days and that's nice i mean certainly when you're doing like a fast pace travel or when you're like driving a tuk-tuk across india there isn't really any room for that and it does it does get exhausting well, that's 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 great so uh now let's talk about i mean let's jump on to talking about budget traveling okay. i'll mention few aspects of traveling and you tell me how do you manage them as far as uh, money is concerned okay so okay. the first one is food how do you do that well i mean that's pretty simple really like 
if you can cook your own food, if you've got like a little cooker with you, you will save so much money. But I mean, it really, when it comes to budget travel, it's really all about choosing a cheap country to go to in the first place. So like Cambodia, Nepal, Nicaragua, these are places where you can get street food relatively cheaply if you don't want to cook your own food. I think really it's just a case of trying to avoid overpriced um, restaurants that are aimed specifically at tourists. Okay, and what about the thing that we all love, alcohol, which is so necessary? Uh, well, it depends on what country you're going to. I mean, you can get I, I can personally tell you that it is possible to get alcohol in every single country in the world, even if you don't think it is, it is possible. Um, however, in some of these countries where it is not supposed to be possible, it's very expensive to get alcohol. You can still get it, but it's very expensive. I prefer like drinking in places like Eastern Europe or Southeast Asia because it's very cheap. I mean, in, Cambod- in Cambodia, you can get a Heineken for 25 cents. So I tend to just like, you know, buy a bottle of wine or buy some beers and sit on the beach and drink them rather than sitting in expensive bars and drinking there because that can really add up by the end of the evening. Exactly, exactly. And what about uh, flights or traveling or the mode of transport that you choose? Well, I do a lot of hitchhiking because it's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hitchhiking is a really, really good way of getting around. Um, it, when I'm not hitchhiking, I tend to just take the local transport, whether it's buses or trains. I, I quite like sleeper trains in some countries. It can be quite good fun. Uh, flights, I mean, at the moment, I'm not flying. But when I did used to do a fair bit of flying, I used to just use Skyscanner and then select the option to uh, look at the cheapest flights for every single country in the world for every single date of that year, and then I could find like some crazy cheap flights to really random places. That's awesome. And about the accommodation? Well, yeah, again, I do a lot of couch surfing, where, which is, uh, where you stay with local people for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a tent with me so I can camp. Uh, yeah, sometimes I'll check into a hostel or a guest house, but like, I, I tend to avoid hotels. Okay, so about this couch surfing that you were saying, like uh, it's like staying at a- anybody who's actually staying at that place, you know, it's like staying with that person. So what if you are with a company, so it's couch surfing okay if you're traveling in a group? Yeah, it is, but I mean, the way the couch surfing works is, is it's a hospitality site, so you welcome people into your home and then you kind of show them around and you basically make friends. Now, it is possible to couch surf in a group. I've done it before, but it's much, much harder to find a host because obviously most hosts are not up for having more than two or tops three strangers turn up at their house. Mm-hmm. I've couch surfed before with a group of four of us and it was possible, but it was really hard. Oh, okay. So what, what exactly hard situations that you faced while you were in a group? Well, just, just because the person that is welcoming you into their home is unlikely to want to host four strangers. And I can completely <laughs> understand that. Yeah. They, these were some really cool tips, I must say. And let's let's go to blogging now. Like, okay. does blogging? I mean, since you were talking about saving up for traveling, so tell me, does blogging help you to save up for traveling? Yeah, well, I mean, it can do. My blog now pays for my travels, um, but like to get a blog to that point requires a lot of work. Um, if if you want to make money out of a blog, you got to treat it as a full time job for at least a year. Uh, and then after that, it's possible to make a lot of your income sources be passive, but it requires a lot of work for a year to get it off the ground. Oh, so any any travel blogging tips you've got for aspiring bloggers out there, like who could also make their blog, you know, kind of? Yeah, thing? definitely. I think, I mean, the best, the best tip that I can give anybody that's interested in blogging is to do a little bit of research into your target market and then to choose your niche very carefully. So, for example, my niche is adventure travel on a budget. There's all kinds of niches out there, and some of them are very, very popular, which means there's a lot of competition. So there's a lot of female bloggers who do solo female travel, 
that is like the most saturated niche in channel blogging. So you need to really try and pick something that makes you unique, that helps you stand out, and kind of establish yourself as an authority over something which doesn't have that much competition. Oh, that's cool. I'm sure all the bloggers <coughs> out there got something to ponder upon and also implement probably. Uh, from this blogging and tips and saving money, let's go to dating while traveling. So, Will, tell me, what are your views about dating while traveling? Well, I think dating while traveling is a great way to get to meet the local people and to sample uh, country properly. I mean, yeah, like I've, I've traveled by myself, I've traveled with my brother, I've traveled with girlfriends, and I've traveled single, and I've, I've used Tinder lots whilst traveling. You know, when you're traveling, you do meet people and things happen very, very quickly. And that's just, that's just kind of part, part of it. When you're traveling, like, it's almost like everything is a little bit more intense. So if you meet somebody and you're attracted to them, you're very attracted to them because <laughs> everything is new and exciting and wonderful. Well, that sounds interesting. So, Will, I am sure you must have had a lot of fun there then. Definitely. A <laughs> lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll stop there now. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, trust <laughs> okay cool so i'm sure i am leaving it up to our listeners for imagining things and you can also try dating while traveling it's super fun use all the apps you can and meet as many interesting people as you can so moving on uh, you're very heavy on snapchatting and blogging which obviously requires a lot of net connection wi-fi and good networks so yeah. what do you think yeah <laughs> so what do you think uh like what do you do in remote places which lack all these things uh, Pakistan was fucking awful for it it was really, <laughs> it was really really hard um, especially when I was up in them I mean the cities were fine the cities like the, the data coverage was good and there was Wi-Fi in plenty of places but up in the mountains which is where everything is a lot of the time um, these little villages they'll have frequent power outages or they won't have signal yet let alone Wi-Fi so I mean I was lucky if I could get phone signal a couple of times a week um, what I did was I basically put as much data on my phone as I could. Um, I spent like 2,000 rupees on data and just, just threw as much data on my phone as possible. And then sometimes I was able to hotspot my laptop, although it was very, very slow. Um, and other times I was able to upload stuff through my phone. What I tended to do was just to film everything with the understanding that I might not be able to upload it for a couple of weeks uh, and that's just that's just the way it is when you're in some of these countries you know so uh, that's like you saved it in a buffer and then you put it up when you were actually in the good network areas yeah correct yeah okay cool but it was funny it was funny because like I disappeared from snapchat for three or four days <laughs> and I, I'd come back and have like a thousand messages from people and I'll be like oh my god Will are you alive are you kidnapped by the Taliban and I'd be like of course I'm fucking alive I've just been trekking in the mountains relax <laughs> cool so you were talking about Pakistan how was your experience there apart from the internet thing oh I love I loved Pakistan I thought it was fantastic I'm actually going back to Pakistan for at least two months in August and I'm interested in opening a guest house up in uh, the mountains of Hunza. I mean, it was I was the only person there. Like, I didn't see any other travelers. Oh, cool. So you're opening a guest uh, house. But it was low season. Yeah, this is the plan. I mean, like, I'm kind of looking around the world at the moment for potential destinations to open a few guest houses. Eventually, I want to have a chain of uh, guest houses, which are, like, really good value, really cool, really friendly, good vibes uh, all around the world. And I think Pakistan is a great place to look at starting. Although I'm also very interested in South America and some parts of Southeast Asia. 
cool that's nice so um since we were talking about internet we can't escape talking about social media because it's such a craze these days and uh, so can you share how you manage social media like what are your content strategies on fb snapchat and twitter and all yeah okay i mean um i very recently have started getting into instagram a bit more which uh, i've enjoyed um so i'm i'm kind of trying to focus on showing more pictures of the places i've been because i write a lot but i have noticed that unfortunately people can't really be bothered to read stuff these days they far prefer watching videos or seeing photos and that's okay so i'm trying to do a bit more of that uh, my management strategy on all of them really is just to network like hell and to try and you know make friends with people who you think are in the same sphere as you and then uh, where possible you can cross promote each other but i mean i haven't really done anything to try and grow my social media for like a year it it's been organic for like a year when i started i had to to do quite a lot of work with it with uh you know like experimenting with facebook adverts a little bit and twitter adverts a little bit um to see what kind of results i got but now now it is all pretty much organic and every time i get an uh, like an interview in a daily mail or something like that i tend to get like an extra 500 followers and that happens quite often so oh so it's like it's really takes a long time to build in the initial stage and then in the later stage it automatically grows yeah i mean once you get past a certain point it will just keep growing as long as you don't stop um creating content but i mean i think there is also if you if you plan it it is possible to um write something and to get it to go viral you can write something with the aim of making it go viral it won't always work but sometimes it will and if you can get something to go viral that can be kind of how your career starts yeah so you actually people basically people need to put a lot of effort in the initial stage and then just shoot it up right yeah i think so but i think i think what is important is to maximize the efficiency of which you use your time so i mean if you use you can use loads of free scheduling software so rather than you know going on to facebook and uploading a picture and then going to instagram and uploading a picture and then going to twitter and uploading a picture instead you can make it so that when you upload one to Instagram it auto posts Twitter and Facebook and then you can schedule like two weeks worth of content and you don't have to worry about it for two weeks and that really is the way to do it yeah that's that's true so from social media let's go to the parties which is definitely one way you know uh, where you can meet new people so will tell me when you go to a new place what do you prefer more house parties or club hopping it definitely house parties um the problem with club hopping is that i can't dance but if i get drunk enough i think <laughs> i can so like i will try to dance and, and it is it's embarrassing for everybody so no i mean i realistically i i far prefer house parties i'm not i'm not a big fan of the music they're playing clubs maybe i've been going to the wrong clubs i don't know i also like festivals i like festivals i find them good fun but house parties are better cuz it's only like 20 or 30 people when you get to know everybody uh whereas at a club usually what happens to me is i walk in the door and then realize i've lost everybody i know and i spend like an hour looking for them so yeah i don't really like clubs okay cool but then in clubs you do get to meet a lot of more people but house parties like you get to know everybody who's there yeah i think so i mean yeah I, I, yeah i suppose if you just if you just want to hook up clubs are probably i i, I have no game inside clubs whatsoever I, i don't think i've ever pulled anybody from a club i've got no idea how to do it so do you have any crazy party story maybe a house party story to share with us yeah well actually um when i was in pakistan recently um some guys heard there was a backpacker in lahore mm-hmm. and i got an invite to a very exclusive party which was set up in a marquee in a field outside of lahore and it was amazing i mean it was it was for like the um sons and daughters of like 
Pakistani politicians and the rich and famous, and everybody there was like beautiful and like dancing on tables, and it was all, it, yeah, it was like it was like a party anywhere. That's all I'm going to say. You know, like everything was going on, and it was absolutely great, and it was completely underground. Nobody knew about it. Cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. So now from there. It's like let's move on to the most awaited question: the treasure that you have been secretly hiding. So tell us something yes. about that. The geocache, yeah, tell me. Okay, so geocaching for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it basically involves collecting like ten or twenty small items, putting them in a lunchbox in a notebook, and then hiding it somewhere. And when somebody finds the lunchbox, they can take something from it, and they have to leave something, and they've got to then sign the notebook and like write a note in it. Anyway, I um, have hidden a few geocaches. The most recent one was in the mountains of Cappadocia. I've hidden it in a cave, and I've I've hidden like twenty little bits and pieces from my travels are in the box. And you can go and find the box, take something, and leave something. And one day I'm going to come back and get it. Oh, that's so cool! So this is for all the listeners out there. If you find his hidden treasure, do let us know. And we'll probably <laughs> probably feature it in the story in the next podcast. And the title of the podcast would be "Stealing Will's Hidden Treasure." So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would be so much fun, no? <laughs> there's, uh, there's an article on my site which has got some clues as to where it is. Yeah, I've read that, and I'm going to put the link in the podcast notes below so people can actually read okay. that. Well, that's where we end the show. Thank you so much, Will, for being with us. We had a great time talking to you. That uh, was fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And to all of you travel enthusiasts listening, get yourself on the road. And if you find yourself anywhere near me, we can have a beer. Okay. So what I like about checking story is pretty much just the concept of creating a new community for travelers. Because I mean, a travel community is a really strong thing. And it gives the opportunity for people who are interested in travel, or people who might be travel gurus, to connect and kind of share their tips and the things that they've learned from traveling. And that's what it's all about, really. I mean, for me, sometimes a lot of the best places I've been whilst traveling have been off the recommendation of some random dude I've met. So the travel community often knows where the best places are. And I think this will be a great addition to that. Oh, thank you so much, Will. Thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, no worries, it was fun. Thank you very much. Well, people, that was it. And if you want to see and listen to his crazy adventure stories and insane fun, do follow Will on Snapchat, and his ID is W T H A T T O N. I would repeat it again: W T H A T T O N. And for all the ladies out there, he likes to do his Snapchat stories mostly shirtless. Yes, I'm winking, and yes, you're welcome. And if you want more tips and tricks, head to his website, thebrokebackpacker.com, and you can also follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Don't worry, I'll give the links in the podcast notes below. And do let us know how you found this podcast in the comment section below. And you can tell us your views on Facebook as well through our check-in story bot, where you can chat with us anytime, anywhere. And uh, we will be looking forward to talking to all of you. So, guys, children, have loads of fun. This is your travel buddy Shruti signing off. Keep traveling. We'll soon come up with more episodes and more craziness. So, stay tuned for that, and do not forget to subscribe to our channel on SoundCloud.